0: Professional football, Canton, Ohio.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast—the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Staphon Laco. You can find me on Twitter at Staphon Laco, and of course, I'm joined as always by the OG Travis May. Find him on Twitter at ff underscore Travis M. Speaking of Twitter, you had one uh, kind of blow up today. Uh, This is, we're recording on Thursday, by the way. You're probably listening to this on uh, Friday or Saturday. It'll be out Friday. But um, yeah, I kind of liked what you uh, were talking about. So why don't you uh, tell everyone if they haven't seen it already? uh, Because I thought it was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, so I mean, uh, NIL, Name, Image, Lightness, is brand new to the college football space. And so the biggest of names and the best of players can make quite a bit of money now, right? So one of the highlight Uh, highlights of really the NIL uh, offseason for me came today with uh, CJ Stroud. Uh, He obviously is making a bunch of money already off of his NIL deals. Actually already has a deal with Express, which had to do with what he was able to do today. And uh, so he decided to, in partnership with Express, uh, give all of his teammates a $500 gift card to use at Express so that they could get a suit and look nice on game day. You know, when you're getting off the bus to try to intimidate teams, you know, just walk into the stadium, stuff like that. So they actually all look like a team. And a bunch of the walk-ons, I'm sure, couldn't afford a suit. Um, you know, all, all, all sorts of different backgrounds. And, I mean, college kids are broke anyway. So uh, it was right. just really cool, really cool gesture on his part. And so I, I was thinking, as soon as I saw that post from Ohio State, I thought, man. Yeah, I know there's over 100, but I wonder how many players exactly there are that he's getting this stuff for. And there are right now 120 players on Ohio State's roster. So you do that math and it's $60,000 that CJ Stroud just decided to, you know, he could have just pocketed that in some other way through his NIL deal. Uh, But instead he was was like, hey, Express, how about we do this, you know, and uh, get my buddies paid because he's not the only one on the team with a deal. Uh, with express so it's not like everyone you know had the same idea like street right this was trout this is the quarterback being the leader saying this is what i want to do for my entire
1: team yeah like it it would have been cool if he did it for like his offensive line or the wide receivers or whatever but yeah taking care of everyone pretty cool um i liked it of course you've got those few people in the in your mentions being like oh boohoo this shouldn't be happening or you know kind of ruining the moment yeah. but yeah i think it's pretty awesome um yeah, it's,
2: dude it's it's blown up and so yeah you're it, w- once there's enough people commenting commenting there's gonna be a few just bad bad eggs in there but it, it, that's that's what twitter is sometimes so it'll be interesting to see um what happens and because this might be my most popular tweet ever so we'll, there you we'll
1: go <laughs> maybe express will give you a 500 gift yeah
2: that's that's just let's hope <laughs>
1: yeah um dude Congrats. This is our 100th episode, man. It's awesome.
2: 100 episodes of the College Again podcast. I cannot yes, believe sir. that. When yes, I was sir. thinking about like when we began this. I'm like, man, it has been that long. Uh, I mean, this is like my... I mean, uh, you and I have both been doing, contributing somewhere, somehow, for years. And this is my third show that I've had. And I actually had, you know, like 150 episodes of the Dynasty Live podcast, uh, over 50 Episodes of the Dynasty Command Center show with Curtis, uh, but to have a hundred with you. That all, was a Richard, good show. At this point, uh, yeah, it was it was a good time, uh, but th- this is all awesome. Already up to 100, 100 episodes of the College of Canton podcast. So perfect timing because this is like we're heading, heading into week one of both the college football season, like right now here on Thursday night. Uh, and by the time most of our listeners are probably going to tune in I, because, you know, it's Labor Day weekend, people are tuning out going on the trips, going to the lake, whatever. Have fun, everybody. Hope you earn it. I guess you're probably going to listen next week. It will be next week by the time most of you listen, many of you listen, week one of the NFL season two. So definitely want to talk about some of the biggest storylines going into week one, how they affect our fantasy football teams, how they affect individual players' success versus others, uh, and teams overall. So I just want to spend a little bit of time on that, uh, talk very specific situations and players and, how that could completely change the trajectories of some careers based on just one week. Cause it really does happen that fast in week one of the NFL season. So really, yeah, we might as well just jump right into it.
1: Well, yeah. And, yeah. and just to kind of piggyback off what you were just saying, like maybe some people are like, well, oh, that's an overreaction, but I uh, was researching a piece for road last year about, um, contributing factors to, to wide receiver breakouts. And I know this is going to sound obvious, but, uh, Wide receivers that miss time early on in their career, people, especially like missing training camp in the first couple of weeks, they do not have very high hit rates. Think of guys like Jalen Rager. <laughs> you know, people like like, uh, and then there's a very long list, unfortunately, where this happens, where people have the draft capital, get injured, can't recover, can't get on the field, and never it never really clicks. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that this is a a pretty important week coming up for a lot of people's careers. Before we jump though, there, Travis, I don't know. Um, you're you're we're we're sitting here Thursday night you're uh Purdue grad they just uh picked off Sean Clifford and took it to the house um so I hope you're not recording it <laughs> but they're uh they're they're uh they're putting a two Penn State at the moment thirty-one twenty-eight, and uh Sean Clifford has a big do you think hey, Sean Clifford I mean, look, has an opportunity to get drafted
2: no I do not at all but I I, I'm a Purdue alum man I, I, I'm a Purdue alum so I, I went there I'm always going to root for Purdue I just thought that they were going to get Uh, handed to him uh, by Penn State just because, you know, Penn State has the skill advantage at just about every position. But uh, that isn't uh, looking like it's going to be the case.
1: So, (laughs) boiler up. There was something that happened Uh, earlier in the game. I I just got YouTube TV, by the way, uh, which is awesome. But I love just, like, rewinding and rewatching watching plays. And Sean Clifford had – it was third and six. Um, He had an empty formation. He had two wide receivers up at the top of the – on the short side of the field. And one of them was doing a post. The other was doing a wheel route. Well, the corners got tripped up on each other and the wheel route to the outside was wide open, like within like two steps. And uh, Sean Clifford refused to throw it and instead scrambled for six yards, did get the first down, but I mean, just terrified to throw a touchdown pass does not want to do it at all. <laughs> <laughs> of course, frustrated. that that's, <laughs> was frustrating. That's exactly why,
2: that's exactly why he's not going to make it. I think we mentioned him briefly in the show before, like he's the bare minimum, good enough to be a big conference starter. And that's that's cool, yeah. but that's not going to cut it. And that's that's yeah. Oh, that's okay cuz my my well, I'm not you know, my team won. Even if I did yeah. better gets them. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's still
1: 6 minutes and 27 seconds left, so it's not quite over but Purdue does have the ball. Anyway, yeah. already uh, that no that more updates. Yeah. Um,
2: that's okay. Still up 12 oh. minutes on the season even after this. There you
1: go. I'll be, I'm having a real tough start to the week. Um, after this I'll be, I'll be at 4.2 units after this loss. Um, I I do quickly want to talk about something that drove me absolutely crazy. And then I promise we're going to jump into this stuff, but I was watching the West Virginia pit game and I'm going to pull it up right here because it was just, uh, I don't even have to exaggerate to make my point. Those are the best points to make. So, um, Halfway through the game, they they pull up this, stu- this stat about pit by formation tonight. So when they were in the shotgun, they they had seventeen plays in the shotgun for two hundred and twenty two yards and two touchdowns. They had twenty six plays under center for only eighty one yards and only one touchdown. And so you would think that the takeaway from this is that, yeah, the shotgun is much more efficient in play. They're getting a lot. But no, the announcers were just praising Pitt for going under center and being less efficient. It made me so angry. It's like, what the hell are we doing? Like, there are numbers on the screen that are telling a very different story to what you're saying, and you're making me angry. So yeah, I was pissed. I, mean, I don't, I don't get it. Like, it, it, they just, they have to
2: fill space, and uh, they have a few people shooting them some random stats, and they probably choose the wrong one because they're, they're just, you know, not thinking about it. But man, it, it's hard doing live. I mean, we're doing a podcast, and we still screw up. And we get to fix it in post. They're doing live, <laughs> doing yeah. it live. That's tough. That's tough. But yeah, the the, the 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 conversation surrounding certain schematic usage and things like that. Teams just need to get with the times. Like Pitt, um, even though they they won, they're they're going to be bad this year if they stick to you know running like a '70s offense. But that's okay. Let's get on to NFL stuff. How about that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds good. That sounds fair um people have been we've been doing a lot of college stuff i've been so much more focused on college this year that uh i get a little bit of tunnel vision but i do love the nfl um i'm excited for uh, i mean russell wilson had a, had his big contract extension this morning uh that that's that's a pretty big deal um i think it was five years 245 million which sounds like a lot now but by the time those five years are up it's going to look like a pretty good deal he'll also be 52 years old but yeah
2: yeah for sure well we'll see how that actually plays out but i mean uh, he's Good for him getting paid, you know.
1: Yep, yep. I'm sure he's worried about it. <laughs> well, CRO. I,
2: I thought, you know, out, out of the NFL situations um, going into the, this year, that uh, you know, if it, there's it, like a singular player that could affect so many t- players on the same team, I was trying to think of situations like that. And, and the one that came to mind just had to do with Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, because you know, I think coming into the NFL draft. Most people, I don't know, didn't necessarily think that Kenny Pickett, uh, among fantasy nerds anyway, they didn't necessarily think he was the best quarterback. I still don't think he's the best quarterback in this class necessarily. But uh, the NFL did. Pittsburgh Steelers did. And so uh, it's looking like it, he could start week one. Uh, the offensive coordinator certainly seems to be hinting in that direction uh, here over the past few days. Uh, but if that happens, like who, who's going to be the biggest beneficiary if it is Kenny Pickett? out of the gate right away for that team.
1: I mean, it, it's hard to say. I think, I think Deontay Johnson um, is someone that I've been fading a little bit early on just because I don't know how often they're going to be passing. Uh, but I think Kenny Pickett adds a little bit more to his game than I think Mitchell Trubisky is able to do. Um, I think the 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 floor is maybe a little bit higher with, with Mitch, but the ceiling is, there's no comparison, I think, um, I mean, we've seen Trubisky what he can and can't do. Kenny Pickett, who knows, right? Um, so I think a guy like Deontay Johnson, who has really made his name so far in the league based on volume, because Pittsburgh was throwing so so damn much. Um, with Kenny Pickett, I think they could utilize more of his route tree. So he's not just doing these like little slants. Because um, I do think he is a good receiver. Um, me being lower on him than than a lot of other people, it doesn't have much to do with his skill set as much as me kind of being nervous about what happens uh, with their pass run distribution. What do you think? Who, yeah, who do you think just, benefits the most?
2: Yeah, I think it probably has to be Deontay Johnson. And for me, it, it has to do with uh, who Kenny Pickett, you know, who Kenny Pickett likes to target. And uh, just a year ago where he had the most success, two years in a row was targeting a very similar dynamic playmaker um, who is kind of similar size, similar play style, and, uh, even what they did and how they won was similar in college. Jordan Addison uh, at Pitt last year with Kenny Pickett was the answer through the air for the offense. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard because, you know, they didn't exactly have a bunch of NFL talent surrounding him as, uh, to be alternate targets. And the Steelers do. They have a couple of big, bigger body wide receivers and Pickens and Claypool uh that they can go to. They've got a great running back out of the backfield who can catch passes, but I think uh, if if you're dis if anyone in your league that has Deontay Jen- Johnson for fantasy purposes, uh, and they're discounting him uh, because you know he's going to have a rookie throwing him the ball or Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky, who uh, I know people love to hate on, um, I, I would be looking to go get Deontay Johnson before they realize oh that he's actually still going to be the, the wide receiver one, oh he's still going to be a, a high volume potentially wide receiver one overall, not overall, but like top 12 kind of wide receiver in the, in fantasy football, uh, regardless of the fact that he has a, um, a rookie throwing him the ball or Trubisky, uh, which, by the way, Trubisky is actually not terrible. I know we love to really hate on him, but coming out of school, he actually had a really solid profile and the Bears like to ruin all things that are good. Um, and, and so it, it I know about big, this. I'm
1: wearing a Jacksonville Jaguars hat.
2: I can relate. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, teams that love to ruin good things. Um, but Trubisky's profile actually was really solid coming out of school. Like it, it, He was in this rare cohort of players that put up really solid rushing production and nice peak pass efficiency. Like for North Carolina back in the day, his his best season, he actually accounted for 16% of their rushing yards and had like a 93rd percentile pass efficiency profile. Uh, of a season so he that like the only other guys that have that kind of profile um, it's like five or six or seven guys in the last mm, seven drafts or so and other guys on that list include names like Lamar Jackson (laughs) Jalen Hurts Joe Burrow uh, Patrick Mahomes I've I've heard of these guys yeah like they're like he's on a good list next to a bunch of guys who had crazy awesome profiles uh, he just was like the one guy on the entire list that didn't pan out. So it's yeah. it's kind of unfortunate. Um, but I don't think it's the end of the world for, for Deontay uh if if he or Pickett are the guy. But I, I do think that Deontay benefits hugely there. Uh, I, I would be I'm mean, I'm still intrigued about Pickett's long term, but I think he might just start a little bit slower than the hype train was rolling for him yeah. uh, halfway through camp.
1: And and I think George Pickens can be an- a really really good wide receiver um and it still take him a little while to get going i mean that's normal um what's crazy so i'm going to be referencing i think we we'll probably well, both will be re- referencing a bunch of numbers um i'm just going to let you guys know right now um all of the stuff i'm going to be giving you today i am getting from rotoviz uh from our tools um i'm going to be using the advanced stats explorer um i also like using um some of our breakdowns that, that show you like when, I forget which one it's called because I don't have it pulled up at the moment, but like when people are in the split now, so um, with some of the receivers we'll be looking at, it'll be like when certain players played with others and when they played on their own. Anyway, Rotoviz has an amazing, um, just I'm gonna pull it up real quick, just our in-season tools. We have like over a dozen different ways to sort and analyze and look at different things, everything from pace of play um, we've got your DFS lineup optimizer, which is always fun. Uh, your game splits app pace, Yeah, a bunch of stuff. So so definitely do check it out. Check the link in the uh, in the description of the show and you'll see um, a promo code to sign up for Rotavis. Anyway, all that being said, um, I'm looking on there right now. And um, instead of me having to do math, it does the math for me. And I see that Deontay Johnson um, averaged. Let's see. Uh, uh, he had an uh, average 10.7 targets a game um and he was targeted on 3.5 um every 3.5 routes he was targeted so dude ran a lot of routes got targeted a bunch 10.7 targets a game um huge number the the next highest uh guy on the team was at 6.9 and then there wasn't another wide receiver until you get to to Ray-Ray McLeod at uh oh no Juju was at 5.6 so anyway He just dominated. Do you think, with fewer pass attempts, therefore most likely fewer targets? Do you think Deontay will like if you like? Are you buying him regardless of Trubisky? It sounds like you are from what you just said. No matter what, not just for dynasty, but redraft as well.
2: Yep, absolutely. Because I I think he's going to be targeted uh, at a ridiculous rate, regardless of who's a quarterback. Um, And Kenny Pickett might even favor him more heavily given the archetype that he loves to go to. Uh, But yeah, Najee, I think if anybody second guesses his value, they're just doing it wrong. Uh, (laughs) So uh, I don't think it matters for him either, but I think the big boost uh, is Deontay Johnson, given the experience and the fact that both of them have really nice, uh, underrated pass efficiency marks um, that I think we just kind of ignore because we, like to hate, <laughs> but well, I, let's move on to another team that I think could really depend on one or a, maybe a couple different players. Or at least fan, fantasy football Twitter thinks it's going to be one player, uh, but Damian Pierce for the Houston Texans. Um, I mean, if he's the guy and he takes off after being, a, you know, an early day three draft pick, that probably changes things and the outlook for the offense as a whole. Uh, even if we think running backs don't really matter that's kind of a, a joke that we we say but um does that change the i guess where targets go and like our our expectation for that offense as a whole because if they have like an absolute zero at running back um that changes things for everyone else in the offense if they have like a, somebody that actually can not only uh run really well but perhaps even get involved in the passing game that changes things for even the other receiving options like how many Uh, other ancillary wide receivers might work their way into a decent role. So first off, Damian Pierce, running back out of Florida, graded out really well by all the charting and and every kind of service that you have. But stats weren't really there for him uh, because Florida, well, their offensive line is bad and they like to air it out. So are you a believer in the Damian Pierce
1: hype? Are you buying at current hype levels? Um, I rarely buy at hype levels (laughs) for rookie running backs. Um, But I do think to your point, like the statistical, I mean, the lack of production that we would like to see from him. I mean, that's kind of par for the course for a lot of Florida running backs. They, they do things a little bit differently there um, with their scheme and even like how they utilize their different running backs, you know, similar to like, I mean, not as high of a level, but similar to like to Georgia where you see, them distribute the ball to a lot of different players. So, so that doesn't scare me so much from him. Uh, what scares me, uh, for, for him is, uh, the offensive line. Honestly, um, I'm not sure Houston's offensive line is going to be great. Like they brought in Justin Britt, um, and AJ can over from, um, I mean, Justin Britt, former Seahawk, uh, AJ can from Jacksonville. Uh, both of those teams are pretty, uh, notorious for having bad offensive lines. Uh, you bringing them in to, to, I don't know. Do you still like Tunzel? I, I I don't know. He's he's getting a little bit older. Um, I don't know. It scares me. Now they let go of they, they released Philip Lindsay, he's no longer there, so it's pretty much Royce Freeman and Rex Burkhead. Um <laughs> Damian Pierce has a nice opportunity to have a yeah, bulk of the work. And to your point, he can be involved in the in the passing game. Um, I'm still high on Brandon Cooks. I always like Brandon Cooks, I think he's always underrated. Uh, he just constantly puts out, you know, top 15 performances uh, and, and produces really well. It doesn't really seem to matter who's that quarterback. We talked about Davis Mills last week, I think, maybe the week before. Not a huge fan, but um, I think he'll be able to distribute the ball enough. There's a lot of buzz around Nico Collins. I actually did a little bit of uh, research on, on Nico Collins before the show, too, really hoping to see something uh, from him to, to to get me excited. Um, but even as you look towards the end of the season, when he started getting more work, uh, he started seeing a lot more um, targets. So from week 14 on, he saw... Um, I'm trying to do the math real quick here. Um, 25 targets. So... No, it was more than that. Anyway, um, even with those targets, he wasn't really producing. He 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 did not put up a, t- a top 25 week once. Uh, he once cracked the top thirty five. So even Nico Collins, I wanted to get hype. I know he's got a lot of buzz coming out of camp, but it's just hard for me to get behind it. So to me, um, Brandon Cooks is still the way to go here. Um, I would love to see i I still have uh, Brevin Jordan on a couple of my of my uh, of my teams and my dynasty teams. Um, I don't know if that's gonna happen. Uh, that that might be uh, an impossibility. But how are you kind of looking at this situation? I think Damian Pierce is interesting. I just don't think he has a huge upside just because I don't think the offense is going to be great, but I do love Brandon cooks.
2: I I think the big thing is that uh, they, they invested what they did in him. He is a bandaid running back. Uh, And so I think he has just, I think he could succeed this year to an extent and have uh, a Michael Carter kind of season and then uh, be replaced by next year that's i think i think we mentioned him before on the show that's where i am with him and that's not going to change i think he's a solid running back but everyone just likes to get attached because hey this guy that i invested virtually nothing in is actually taking off now Um, oh those are the
1: best ones though because we get to feel real smart about ourselves
2: (laughs) but it's like it it wasn't he was like the seventh running back off the board it wasn't too crazy for him to actually stick and he goes to the the situation that I think we all wanted someone to go to because they, they would immediately be the future. And the only reason we didn't get excited about Damian Pierce was because we knew he wasn't actually that good. And so um, this is just going to be an all opportunity play if he hits. Um, and that's okay. Cause like, that's all we really care about is the points. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm not going to buy in and, you know, Hey, he has a thousand total yards from scrimmage this year. I think he's going to do it again. I, I don't think this is going to
1: be his best. It could season. be. It could be a James Robinson situation in Jacksonville from a couple of years ago, yeah. where and he falls out, very... but then they invest somewhere else.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, that's if everything goes perfectly for him. But I actually am right, right. intrigued by Brevin Jordan because uh, we were excited about him as a tight end prospect coming out. When he entered yeah. the NFL, yeah. he was like the youngest tight end prospect in his group, uh, barely 21 when the season began, and uh, a bunch of the targets that they had last year departed. So he is clearly the every down tight end, uh, being on the field with Davis Mills about ninety percent of the time this preseason. So uh, that's that you just love to see that. So to me, it's 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 going to be the Brandon Cooks and Brevin Jordan show through the air with Davis Mills, and uh, Damian Pierce will be the the guy that is startable kind of maybe every other week. Uh, but besides those guys, I have no interest in Nico Collins. I have no interest in chris cotton tyler tyler, <laughs> yeah, tyler johnson, johnson. <laughs> former yeah, tyler he was a former him. road of his heartthrob <laughs> I know, because he had that great you know true freshman breakout and then just kind of yeah got worse as he went along but um yeah tyler johnson would be would be fun but uh, realistically as brennan cooks for 1100 yards and six touchdowns again and brevin jordan getting most of the other work
1: hmm, i like that i would i would love to see brevin jordan like i said i do still have some shares um, I have no confidence in playing him <laughs> week one, but I would love for it to be a thing. Um, there was a, there was a situation I wanted to talk to you about um, because holy shit, Purdue just score just unreal third down conversion to ice the game. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, anyway, I um, I do, <laughs> so, something I wanted to ask you about living here in a uh, Broncos country, let's ride. Um, I was curious what your thoughts are on the wide receiver position. So um, I'm going to throw some stats at you. You probably already know them all, um, but we're just going to pretend for the sake of the the listeners here that you don't. Um, we've got uh, Cortland Sutton and uh, led the team in targets with 99 after him was Noah Fant with 89 and then Tim Patrick with 85. Of course, Jerry Judy only played in about half the games and he had 56 targets. So um, Tim Patrick is out for the year with, uh, ACL. I believe Noah Fant was included in that Russell Wilson trade. And of course we've got Russell, Russell, Wilson here now. So that could change a lot anyway. But what I wanted to talk to you about is, um, I was using the game splits app and I was looking at, uh, the splits for Cortland Sutton with Jerry Judy and without Jerry Judy. Um, and when Jerry Judy is not playing, um, Cortland Sutton has gotten 9.14, uh, targets per game. With Jerry Judy on the field, that number pretty much halves, and it's only 4.6. And in fact, Jerry Judy has been targeted more than Cortland Sutton when they both are on the field. So maybe, and this would be a completely reasonable answer, you could say, throw it all out, we have a new quarterback in town, and I'll accept that answer. Or do you think that maybe Jerry Judy uh, being drafted later than Cortland Sutton might be the right play, might be the right way to attack this wide receiver uh, core, so I'm gonna shut up and let you talk.
2: I think the the answer is that we have Russell Wilson at quarterback now, and and that's going to change things completely. Uh, I think we I think the best value might actually be Jerry Judy. I think that's also my answer, uh, but I think the highest upside play is still Sutton, and so he should go before Judy. But Judy, if he's going very much later than him at all, uh, then he's probably a, a decent value. I actually still like, uh, you know, KJ Hamler if he can stay healthy to get some work. I like him too. I I just I'm not sure there's enough targets to go around to make him a super sexy every week kind of play. Um, You know, I liked him as a prospect, but uh, and and if there's anybody that really looks like Tyler Lockett on the team, uh, it's probably KJ Hamler over Judy or Sutton. But uh, you know, archetypes are archetypes, and. They're just going to target the best players, and so I think it's still Sutton and Judy that are still those best options. Um, but and I'm not really super high on Albert O at this point anymore. So I, I think it's really just going to go through Sutton. It's going to go through Judy, and so Judy is definitely definitely a value. But I I am I've been a long time Cortland Sutton fan, and for him to finally get a good quarterback, but basically the first one ever that he's had, um, that's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you on on Albert O as well. They they were doing everything they can to to let Dulcich uh take over, but of course his injury um has kind of slowed that down. So I don't know if that's gonna happen. But I, I'm with you. I think the receivers um are, are the absolutely the primary weapons. And we saw even Russell Wilson in Seattle. He he really would um he would throw to the tight end, but it was never the same one. <laughs> he would spread the love <laughs> through throughout all the tight ends. Uh, quick question though, because you did mention Tyler Lockett um gino smith recently being named the starter i know this one's on the show show sheet i'm just curious um gino smith the starter how terrified on a scale of 10 to 10 are you about dk metcalf <laughs> or is it just me um and that was regardless if it was Lock or gino smith i'd just like to hear kind of your take how are you um approaching the seattle wide receiver room with tyler lockett and uh, dk metcalf and freddie swain I think Freddie Swain was cut this week, maybe. I don't know. Speaking of Florida players. I'm actually,
2: at this point, this is the prime, prime window to target DK Metcalf in Dynasty Leagues because the truth is he's 24 years old and uh, (laughs) he's got a (laughs) lot of career ahead of him. And so I don't think that they're going to roll out whatever they have there. uh, Drew Locke and uh, Geno Smith and uh, whoever else. It doesn't matter. Uh, for Jacob that one,
1: maybe.
2: Yeah. So th- this this whole season might be a downturn uh, in both efficiency, targets, touchdowns. This is probably the bet, the worst season Metcalf's going to have for a long time. Um, and so that that's okay. I think, and maybe not even now. Maybe a few weeks into the season, because I think there will still be lulls in his target work um, that we see this year, and it, it, it's it's going to get ugly for a little bit. So yeah, this year I'm definitely worried and I am not going to have him in any leagues for mm. redraft purposes. No basketball, no nothing, not one share of DK Metcalf. But I am at this very moment trying to trying to grab him in, in multiple leagues, knowing that he's still just 24 years old, runs a 10-3, 100. He's six foot four, 230 plus pounds, just one of the freakiest athletes in the entire league. And uh, when you get a remotely competent quarterback with him again, he's going to be just fine.
1: Yeah, I I do worry he does have a case of the drops from time to time. And even if Seattle does uh, draft a quarterback, I I assume that's the route they would take in, uh, as opposed to trying to find someone in free agency, but who knows. But rookie quarterbacks do also tend to uh, not not, not allow their receivers to produce at elite levels right out the gate. It usually takes a year or two two or three uh so i don't know um but yeah the buying opportunity will prop the buying window for dk is, is definitely now i have one yeah. share of him I and i would move him about not before. much well, remember when we were talking about the like the hall of fame pace for wide
2: receivers and how hard it yeah. is to maintain even yeah. like a thousand yards per season uh dk actually is averaging over a thousand yards per season through three and, he, and he's averaging like 10 touchdowns per year i know that was with russell Wilson but right. he's doing that. Right. And so I think when you, we, uh, what we've seen over the years is the wide receivers who have done it before are the most likely to do it again. And so I think he will have a resurgence. Even if it takes two more years, I don't care for dynasty purposes. So I'm, I'm going to buy all the shares up that I can.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: I want to head over to Baltimore um, and and just talk about that running back room. J.K. Dobbins has um, obviously been just super unlucky with injuries in his career. And and from what we're hearing out of camp, it sounds like they want to get him uh, kind of a slow start. They don't want to throw him in right away and have him go crazy. Um, They kind of want to ease him into the season, which makes sense because Baltimore – uh, should win the North and should be in the playoffs, So it makes sense. Um, but it's hard for me because I have so many JK Dobbins. He's, he's probably the guy I have um, most out of any, any player in, uh, in uh, fantasy this year. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. If JK does go to a sl- slow start, they just brought in Kenyon Drake, who I know. Actually, I don't know your thoughts in Kenyon Drake. I assume I know. Um, and then of course, uh, Mike Davis, who, I just love the dude. He's a cool dude, but he's not an elite athlete. Uh, I mean, yes, he is. He plays in the NFL. He's not in an, an elite NFL running back. How about that? Um, so I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on the, uh, the Ravens backfield and you can include Lamar Jackson in the conversation, of course, too, because that, that man can run. You can see I've got his Jersey over my left shoulder right there. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, I think they
2: just realized for for whatever reason they don't like Justice Hill. They drafted him and they hate him for some reason. Like <laughs> last year, he had, had almost no work at all, and uh, they they continue to give Gus Edwards the ball bunch. And it's just so weird. Like it, it, Justice Hill was so good in college. He's so bursty. He's so fast. He's he's the most similar player on their team to J.K. Dobbins. Like if you want somebody to have a similar feel, speed, uh, agility, like. Uh, uh, they're not that different. Like, I know I, I prefer J.K. Dobbins for sure, but as prospects, they had a lot in common. And so uh, that would be my bet just because Mike Davis is old, Kenyon Drake yeah. is inefficient. And if, uh, even though they haven't shown to, to, to trust Justice Hill for long, this might be finally be it because for whatever reason, they keep him around. And so, yeah, I mean,
1: and and uh, despite of having a lot of injuries, they've kept him around. Yeah, right. And so even
2: if it is the JK misses time or whatever, I think given the skill set overlap, he'll might finally be the one that actually is is uh, productive and a valuable zero RB kind of target uh, to have.
1: I have no idea what his ADP is, but I'm guessing it's real late. I'm guessing he's free. Dirt, dirt cheap as, as it I mean, be, I know Mike. But- <laughs> Mike Davis is going in, is going well ahead of him. Yeah. Um, Kenyon Drake is going saw him well ahead of him. Not so. be
2: impressive a year ago,
1: and now he's a year older yeah. and slower. And
2: like uh, this week, it, he was one of the names being floated out as a potential cut candidate. You know, not and Hill was not. So yeah, that would be my bet.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I do think it's interesting because um, Baltimore like is just like a prolific is prolific at running the football. Like they're very, very, very good. Um, and then you look at what they're bringing, back, they're this bringing year, back this year. And, um, like you look at their leading rushers from last year, you take out Lamar Jackson. Cause he, he, he was tied for first and with 133 attempts, but Devonta Freeman gone Latavius Murray gone Tyson Williams, irrelevant <laughs> Le'Veon bell gone Devin Duvernay plays wide receiver. <laughs> so they're not bringing much back. And so I, I do, I do, I like that Justice Hill pick. Uh, I don't think many people are, are doing that. So you can definitely get him for, for almost free in most leagues. And um, that might pay off. I, I, I like that call a lot. Yeah. And I think uh, probably
2: we had a lot of people just kind of smirk or laugh when I first said it, but that's exactly what makes players like that worth adding at this point.
1: These are the same people that are pounding their chests that uh, Damian Pierce was a, a terrific pick on their part.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you know he's probably going to be okay. Yeah, he's probably going to be. That's fine. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's not as sure of a thing as I think everyone's making it out to be.
1: Yeah. Um, something else that you've talked, we've talked about in the past, and I can't remember if it's on the podcast because we talk a lot. But um, there's a player that I I have heard his name. Um, uh, smirch this this week uh too old too slow the offensive line is not as good as it used to be they're gonna try to do everything else Ezekiel Elliott is bye-bye no longer relevant for like should no lot should, should not be anywhere near the first round he should be closer to the end of the second early third maybe you know what are your thoughts on Zeke it's so funny to me that that people are just
2: leaving him for dead they're like well you know, he's had less rushing yards per game since blah, 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 whatever. Like, it's just really lazy stat quoting and and circular logic. Uh, And people forget the fact that he was fighting through a PCL injury for the entirety of last year and still had, like, what? Uh, Like, almost 300 touches and 1,300 yards from scrimmage and a dozen touchdowns. And we're talking, like, the dude's old and broken and gone. And, And it has to do with the fact that Running backs do kind of have shorter careers in terms of where they peak uh, at at any given point. But the truth is the best running backs we still see produce beyond the uh, prototypical uh, apex arc. I know like large sample stuff, we say the apex for running backs is getting younger and younger. And that's true. But the best of the best running backs who have played the game here recently uh, stay and keep producing. And I'm sure that there's going to be a time when Ezekiel Elliott falls off. And it's probably not this year. It's probably next year. (laughs) But I mean, there's no reason to think that he's going to be just forgotten. And they're going to invest in Tony Pollard, who's basically as fun as he is. He's he's a gadget running back who faces a lot of softer boxes to amp up his efficiency stats. That's that's just the nature of it. That's how like we've known this for a long time. That particular type of running back looks more efficient and better because of the situation that he's generally playing in. So Ezekiel uh, he is probably going to have over 200 carries easily, he's probably going to have over 60 targets easily. Cause that's basically always what he does. And, uh, we're going to laugh because he's going to be running back one again, uh, to the surprise of, well, everyone, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just really, really dumb, like empty, horrible logic. Like if he's healthy, he's a running back one.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I'm in an auction league and I with, it's just like a home league and I, I got him for so cheap. It was ridiculous. I was like, okay, I just got Ezekiel Elliott for practically nothing. This is fantastic. Um, Yeah. So yeah, Uh,
2: it's it's insane what he's done too. Like we're never going to see anybody touch like Emmett Smith and like Frank Gore for that matter. Like no one's ever going to play long enough and uh, to compile the stats ever again in the rest of NFL history. But for what Zeke's doing now in this era, it is just the most impressive thing uh, out there. Like I know Derrick Henry is the king of rushing, uh, but Ezekiel Elliott is the guy who has 2000 over 2000 more yards from scrimmage than any other running back since he came into the league.
0: Yeah, that was crazy over
2: 2000 more than Derrick Henry over 2000 more than anyone else. Second is actually Melvin Corden, by the way, but and, and another underrated guy, but but seriously, I, it's just it's just the disrespect has reached absurd levels and people are just going to lose out on free fantasy points. That's fine. I'll take them all.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um oh man, there's so many you keep talking and bringing up other people and then it it makes me want to sidetrack and pivot to those, but we're going to I'm going to stay on task. I'm going to keep moving. Let's let's talk about the uh, wide receivers at Dallas. Let's let's stick with this this squad here. Dalton Schultz is a lot of people's kind of breakout tight end candidate. If you miss on on some of the bigger name guys. If you miss on Mark Andrews or Kelsey, I know some people are not sure what to do with Kittle, uh, given the Trey Lance uh taking over, not exactly knowing what you know how much how much are they actually even gonna throw in San Francisco? But uh Dalton Schultz is moving up, Amari Cooper is gone, uh Michael Gallup is gonna start the year off um not playing. I don't know if he's gonna I don't think he's on the pup, but I don't think he's expected to play in the first couple of weeks. So is it just a CD Lamb show? Um, I love Jalen Tolbert. You know this. Um, what What are you expecting to take place uh, with uh, the target distribution in what we expect to be a pretty uh, high-powered uh, Cowboys offense?
2: Well, uh, Amari Cooper is gone. Gallup has struggled with health. Cedric Wilson, gone. Uh, a lot of the options from last year aren't there, like the go-tos that were already the go-tos, in CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz are the presumed, obvious top two targets and both of them had at least 78 catches a year ago and schultz had over 800 receiving yards a year ago and it, it's it's so fun to see him actually hit because uh, he was actually my most drafted tight end in his particular draft class when he came out oh nice I, but sadly i actually dropped him in like a couple spots before, oh, nice. like they're like shorter benches and so I, yeah and i even like traded him in another one like i almost like my exposure on, on him was absurd but like i think at least three leagues where I had him. I don't have him anymore. And so I went out last year uh, as he started to do virtually anything and tried to acquire him again and added him in at least two, maybe three other spots that I could, nice. because I was like, okay, I- this is the talent. He's breaking out opportunities there. This is it. This is the moment. And he's like 20, I guess he was 25 last year. I'm like, okay, he's going to break out. This is going to be like the next Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's not going to the next Travis Kelsey, but I think he very well could st- be a mainstay and the tight end six kind of conversation um, and perhaps expand the uh, top tier of, of tight ends, just one position uh, further.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was surprised I actually was on Blake Jarwin when, when it was kind of between the two of them. And I thought Blake Jarwin was going to be the guy. And then of course he got injured and Dalton Schultz, Dalton Schultz took, uh, took, took it, took it by storm. And and now he is the one um, on the team. He uh, he's also, um, kind of an, an underrated yards after catch guy. Um yeah, I like Dalton Schultz. Uh where do you kind of have him? I don't I know I don't know actually if you did rankings this year or not. Um yeah. for...
2: I, I have him as tight end six. I think he's yeah. gonna be right there. And so I and that might be just a, a hair above where consensus has him right now, I believe. But um I think he very well could pass maybe even one more tight end if there's anybody that struggles with health. He could finish as a tight tight end five on the year, which would be um, about what I would expect to happen for him this year, like you know, conser- conservatively, I felt like tight end six. If the targets come in the way that I think they could and should, uh, that's going to be where he is. But beyond him, I, everyone already knows. Like C.D. Lamb is that guy. Like he is in like the what top five dynasty wide receiver conversation. Um, and I think we've wanted him to be the the guy that he could actually be finally. Uh, this year and that he already saw 120 targets last year you know barely got over 1100 yards on the year and you know uh, underwhelming six touchdowns But i think this year could be the year because of the lack of surrounding weapons he could very well be a double digit touchdown guy and get to 1200 1300 receiving yards and be that be that alpha that we always knew he could be uh this year alongside that, that one two punch you know be that one two punch with him and and schultz both probably actually having 120 plus targets this
1: year. Yeah, I love it. Um I think I think Dallas will, will put up points this year. So so getting a piece of that, especially uh CeeDee Lamb, you know, he has a huge, huge opportunity with the uh the lack of other proven wide receivers around him. Um I, I have been stashing Michael Gallup because you can get him so late in drafts. So um in redraft, I, I do have a fair share of Gallup just because um Once that once that time of year, I always assume I'm going to be in the playoffs um, because I'm an arrogant son of a bitch. Um, And so I'm like, well, once I'm in the playoffs, I'll love having all these guys that start off the year injured. So I've got like eight guys uh, ready for my IR when it opens up. (laughs) It's going to be a mess. Oh, man.
2: Well, keeping it in the division, Uh, Saquon, uh, this is the last chance that I think anyone has to quote unquote, by low on Saquon before he absolutely goes off and grabs another like 80 receptions this year, because when you look at the Giants surrounding cast and yes, it's going to be a bad offense. And yes, I would probably take the under on their seven and a half win total if and, and probably feel really safe with that. Um, but I think given that he just is still the, the athlete that we know him to be and given that they have Mr. Stiff as a mannequin, Kenny Galladay. <laughs> Uh, Kadarius tony who can't stay healthy uh, a rookie and Wande robinson that we want to make happen but then a bunch of other guys who were just not really that impressive whatsoever i think we really uh should expect a huge 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 bounce back for saquon this year uh and, and him get back to just being one of the elite names I and mean, we forget i think sometimes just how young he still is like it's not like he's he's a 28 year old running back on, on like the back nine for sure like Saquon Barkley is seriously, like, even though he's already been in the league, like, this is what, four years into his career, like, he's still, right now, 25 years old.
1: That's crazy. I would have guessed, oh, I would have guessed older than that. <laughs> I
2: have... Yeah, but then that, I mean, that's um, what happens when, like, you know, you come into the league and you're 21, barely 21 years old. Like, you, you've got a, a shelf life going for you at the running back position.
1: Yeah. So, how. <laughs> How scared are you that Daniel Jones just ruins yet another year of Saquon? Or do you think he can overcome that? Do you think, as you said, like with the passing game? I mean, it sounds like you're, you're painting a nice picture for Saquon. Like he can overcome all these obstacles. But Daniel Jones is a significant obstacle. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, he is. I
2: don't know why the Giants the way that they are, but, but he was just
1: waste. (laughs) I think every Giants fan ever has said that at least twice a game. (laughs) Why are you the way that you are? You know, (laughs) Uh,
2: obviously they, they, uh, they mixed up some front office changes. Hopefully they, they saved the franchise. Uh, But he is, if you look at the, in the last, well, since 2017, Daniel Jones has the worst passing profile by far, like worse than everyone imaginable out of all the first round quarterbacks, like all the FES guys, like even Josh Allen who had a really, really terrible pass efficiency profile at Wyoming. Mm. like I was almost 20% better when you look at the advanced metrics for his pass efficiency. So Daniel Jones, the only thing he really ever had going for him was he was kind of big and he kind of looked like a goofier Eli Manning and he could run. Um, but yeah, that I, that could be a problem. If anybody's going to derail it, it, it could be Daniel Jones, but I think he knows at this point that Saquon's just the offense and that's it. I I
1: yeah, I really hope you're right. Um just looking like at, at his game logs, like it's just obscene how many games he had like three or fewer targets. Like how how he's not just incorporated in the offense like way more is beyond me. And it will be interesting to see what this offense looks like. Uh Kadarius Toney is getting quite a bit of buzz coming out of camp. Uh you mentioned Robinson, and then of course the ghost of Galladay. I and mean, remember when we were all super excited, excited about Galladay? It was so much fun and then just got sad so fast. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I'm curious to see what happens with this offense. Uh, because to me, I, I don't see why you don't just try to force feed Saquon. Um even in the passing game, because it's clearly a skill that he he possesses. Um, but to, to have that many games, like one, two, five of his, um, let's see, five of his, uh, doing math on the air is not good. <laughs> yeah, so 40, for 40% of his games, he had three or fewer targets last season. And it's just ridiculous. So I just get scared. Yeah. and And hopefully, like you said, they're not going to be the fools that make the same mistake over and over again. But it's just a, it's like you know it's the Giants, it's like the Bears and the Jaguars. They just ruin fun. Yeah, professional ruiner of things.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that, that should be like a special club in the NFL. Like who who would be in that club? It would definitely the be Brown. the Browns, <laughs> the, the definitely Browns. be the Jets, definitely be the Bears, Jaguars. Uh, Giants who else is in the club of like the professional ruiner of
1: everything club. Yeah. I I mean, I think, I I think that's a really healthy list right there. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a good starting point. I think, I mean, mean, we could do the Raiders in there. They try to have fun
2: and they just don't know how. They try to, to, but then they, they stick with their car anyway. But uh, let's, that's another conversation, but uh, speaking of that club, that, that elite club of ruining of things, club that yeah i don't i've already forgot what what the title is it, are they going to keep ruining trevor lawrence and justin fields and all the weapons another year in a row because i remember saying something about like you know if, if trevor lawrence doesn't pan out then we should just stop with quarterback analysis because it doesn't matter because he he had the, like 3 seasons in a row of 90th percentile plus pass efficiency marks Plus, at his peak, was easily over 15%, kind of rushing yard market share, kind of quarterback. All the metrics, all the film people, everyone agreed. Since he was like 16 years old, this guy is the this, this second coming. He's amazing. And then he gets drafted by the Jaguars, and they have the joke of the season that they had last year. Urban Meyer's feeling people up and gets fired. Like, it's just, it's such a joke of a season. Like, are you buying in on anything at this point? Uh, on, on the Jags or even the bears, because I didn't even really touch on them, but knowing it, I, it looks like they're really trying hard to give Justin fields, no help and ruin him too. Right.
1: Oh, well, I do like the Jaguars. They're one of my teams. I'm wearing their hat today. Um, and I'm terrified that they're going to destroy Trevor Lawrence's career. Um, I do like that. Doug Peterson is there now. I, I think he, I mean, last time Carson once had a good season, he was with him. Uh, he, he like, Brought, like he won a Super Bowl with with Nick Bowles. so he can he can utilize average quarterbacks. I'm hoping he can utilize Trevor Lawrence. I am worried that the big name out of camp that everyone's super excited about is Zay Jones. Like what are we doing here? Like what are we actually doing? Spend big money to bring over Christian Kirk like I do realize that he'll have the opportunity to play in the slot a bit more, which is a, a position where he's a little bit more comfortable. And I think they'll be able to target him a lot, but you've also got Marvin Hall there. Like that's not a trio of wide receivers. That uh, that that's really scary to me. That's a bunch of like twos and threes in my book. There's no alpha there. And um, we mentioned James Robinson. He, he's a solid running back, but coming off of a big injury. And I'm curious to see what Etienne does. Uh, it's hard for me now. This is stupid. I get I got so mad when Jacksonville drafted him in the first round last year, but I shouldn't hold that against him. It's not his fault. I should just root for him to be awesome, but it's hard for me to do that. I feel like if, if he succeeds and is amazing, then it justifies that wretched pick. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they just don't have a lot of weapons there. I mean, Evan Ingram, seriously, what, what are we doing here? Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, so Ingram I didn't answer gone. your question. <laughs> <laughs> Arnold, Dan Arnold is, is the other guy they brought in from Arizona. Um, I want him to be a thing, but seriously, like, who is in charge of personnel over there? Like what the hell are they doing? It's really bad. Um, but here's
2: the thing. I, I do still believe that Trevor Lawrence can bounce back. If we look at some of his, his numbers last year, um, like even really bad NFL passers have above a 2% touchdown percentage. So hopefully they'll, uh, that will rectify and come back to uh, you know somewhere about, about like average expectation because uh, everything went wrong for Trevor Lawrence last year. And so let's hope that he finds a connection with Evan Ingram. Let's hope that he finds a connection with Christian Kirk. Let's hope that he finds a connection with Marvin Jones or, or Zay Jones. And uh, it's just good enough to kind of give him an okay, uh sophomore campaign uh, that gives us hope that by year three, he can possibly be the quarterback one that we will, He, we wanted him to be, but he does not have the weapons sufficient to get there this year. I I, I do think that it will help if Tra- if Travis Etienne is, Uh, working his way out of the backfield and just creating a bunch of space for himself like he did oftentimes at Clemson and adding a bunch of yak uh, that will help the overall offense and their efficiency. And it helps that Trevor Lawrence probably trusts him and has a a solid relationship with him dating back to uh, three years that they were together uh, at Clemson. And so I think that should be a good relationship. And I think if I'm buying anybody uh, on that offense, just from a PPR perspective, I think it would be Travis Etienne but i still do believe in the fact that Trevor Lawrence uh we we knew he was an amazing quarterback for basically 5 plus years and just landed in the worst position possible now with the bears though Justin Fields like he has he actually probably has the best wide receiver option of both teams in Darnell Mooney like Mooney you know as a prospect was kind of a hard read uh he came out of g5 Tulane uh, small scale a passing attack for them it was kind of hard to tell is this an adjusted metrics beauty that we should be targeting in our fantasy football drafts or is this just kind of a trap because if it's it's a it's a lower volume offense uh and he's got no competition turns out Darnell mooney can freaking ball and he is maybe not like a super top tier wide receiver one but he's a back end wide receiver one in the nfl like a top 30 kind of nfl nfl wide receiver that's good enough but who else do they target like they're talking about actually having uh, Equinemia St. Brown be a guy that gets a really high snap count for them, which is really scary if that's the case for the Bears this year. So, I mean, they, they got like Byron Pringle, who was a rotational wide receiver for Kansas City. Dante Pettis, they're really re- retooling Dante Pettis. They have like a 25-year-old rookie in Velus Jones and then a return specialist in, in, in Amir Smith-Marset. Like they tried to reset the the receiver core this year and they did it with a bunch of retread guys that aren't really going to work in uh, Darnell Mooney. I know a lot of people want to you know, maybe not a lot, but some people are actually pumping Cole Komet. It's like a back-end tight end one. Uh, but it's not like this is a CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz situation. This is a Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet situation. And so that's not great. <laughs> Even though Justin Fields as another guy who had two seasons, not three, but two seasons, above the 90th percentile pass efficiency mark and decent rushing numbers in uh, a really electric Ohio State offense. Uh so I don't know. I I, I want to believe and, and I think that he and Trevor Lawrence both have this skill set. They both have all the tools that they need to, to succeed individually, but they do not have yeah. this rounding cast to succeed this year. I am still going to be all year long. I don't even care what's happening. going to be buying low as as I can even if they're not above quarterback 20 this year, knowing that hope uh, hoping that after
1: this year they get a right. little bit
2: more help uh in year 3 That's
1: the scary thing though because the bears and the jaguars that's, that's consistently right. make strange choices when it comes to personnel and i just don't know if it's if it's smart i mean the nice thing for both these quarterbacks is they're mobile they can create on their own um but i do i do, mm-hmm. do get terrified that because of the franchises where they're located they could just be, um, really just all advantage that they might have otherwise just be taken out, all the wind taken out of their sails, and uh, they're just kind of flaccid sailboats on a lake. I don't know. <laughs> I was going
2: with that. <laughs> I, I just I hope for the best for them, but I'm really going to be paying attention to the target splits for all their playmakers, uh, and I you know looking at all my charting access that I have just to see. Are there any wins, any signs of life on other pieces beyond just the quarterback that I didn't expect to hit this year that give me signs that this is a gear? Because if it's not in week one, not in week two, not in three, not pretty quick here. I'm just I'm not I'm not going to try to move off of them in the leagues that I have them because you're not going to get fair price. But, you know, it's going to be really tough to believe that they're going to to produce this year.
1: So I have a confession to make. I have a lot of Bayless Jones. <laughs> and That's okay I because he lot. costs you nothing. Like
2: everyone was like, yeah, He's... maybe the, the sixth year wide receiver uh, that's
1: 25 isn't worth an early yeah. round pick. I was able to get him like in rookie drafts. I'm getting him in the fourth round. Like, I'm like, okay, I don't like it, but I'll take him. <laughs> like, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know who else are they throwing it to like Mooney is not going to get all the targets commit. I mean, like you said, like it's Cole, Komet and Darnell Mooney. It's not CD lamb, you know, like, Oh, I have to tell you, I had this crazy dream um, that Patrick Mahomes and uh, Tua kind of switched because it wasn't ever about Patrick Mahomes. It was always was awesome. about Tyreek Hill. <laughs> and um, now Tua is going to be the truth. And Patrick Mahomes is going to be pretty average. So I'm not going out making those bets, but I had a dream, and uh, <laughs> it means <laughs> absolutely nothing. But <laughs> no, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's super well, exciting over here the wrap this household. Up, the NFL kickoff special episode number one hundred for the College Again Podcast. Yes. Any other situation that you want to kind of break down or hit on before we go?
1: There's a, a question you had in here that we. Uh, we didn't get to that that I'm I'm curious to hear your take on um we talked about Kenny Pickett to to start to start the conversation uh what what quarterback what rookie quarterback do you think is the first to start outside of Kenny Pickett Desmond Ritter um Malik Willis um Sam Howell maybe that would be fun uh what do you think uh
2: it's it's been cool because Uh, The preseason and some of the the buzz out of camp has kind of validated what we super mega nerd analytics crazies uh, knew about this class all along is that the NFL, like we knew this wasn't a strong quarterback class, but we also knew that the NFL, given their investment in the NFL draft, that they way underrated this class in a huge way. Like all the profiles of the drafted FBS quarterbacks, like if we look at every single individual uh, quarterback season uh, since 2016. Like that's thousands like of individual quarterback seasons, like more than a thousand individual quarterback seasons. Like all eight of the SBS guys that got drafted had at least one 88th percentile or better season. Uh, all, all of them, but one had a uh, 90th percentile season or better at their peak as a passer. And six out of the eight were actually really, really impressive mobile uh, passers on top of being efficient uh, through the air so th- it was a much better class than we gave it credit for and that showed out throughout the preseason even guys like Skyler Thompson out of K- Kansas State uh, a backup at, at the Dolphins looked good in preseason action uh, but I think Desmond Ritter is the safest bet because one mm. Mar- Mariota has I didn't even mention him did I <laughs> uh, I think you, I think you did top De- but Desmond oh, Ritter, okay. uh you know he's behind Marcus Mariota who has struggled to stay healthy at times and has been really, really, really inconsistent when he started for the Titans. In um, a similar system that he was before, they want him to be the guy. Uh, but Ritter, I mean, he's he already kind of looks like he's ready. So I think he's he would be my best bet. And he's got a fantastic profile. Peaked around 15% rushing yard market share, which is fantastic. Peaked around the 90th percentile for his passing profile as well, just over. And so that's fantastic as well. Like he is, he's a really good combo uh, from the metric standpoint and possesses really all the tools, plus some crazy wheels uh, to, to, I mean, he he looks a lot like Marcus Mariota, except, you know, healthier. So I think he's the best bet. Um, People want Malik Willis to be the best bet, but uh, being from the Nashville area, I, I reassure you that that is not happening this year. That is not in the cars. That is not in the plans. That is nowhere to be found in the mind of Mike Vrabel that, uh, what he's if going Tennessee to
1: starts losing a bunch even then?
2: No, no, nope. mm-hmm. because Ryan Tannehill is the guy. So, okay. Like he, he, it just is on time. He is, uh, you know, I mean, I mean like throughout the progression in the play and he's dependable, even in his off season, he was still a top 20 NFL quarterback last year, uh, missing Derrick Henry for a good portion of the time, by the way, uh, where teams were really trying to make him throw it to guys like Nick, Westbrook Akina. Yeah. Wide receivers are not great, but they're not going to get any better with Malik Willis as a rookie. Like I think Willis is fantastic. He peaked around the 88th percentile for pass efficiency. Uh, It was a crazy, crazy dual threat on the ground. He's going to be fun, but he's going to get a shot next year. Not this year. So, I mean, it's going to be probably, I would probably lean Sam Howell beating out Carson Wentz with his third team in three years before I would bet on Malik Willis getting a shot this year.
1: Yeah, I actually like Sam Howell uh, quite a bit. We've we talked about him quite a bit in the past, too. Um, that's good. Before we go, I, I have one question. For all of the people listening this far, this is a little bonus, our little gift to you. Travis, for those of those of our listeners who are listening to this before games kick off on Saturday, what's your favorite college football bet for the weekend? Saturday, Sunday
2: or Monday bet. yeah my favorite bet of the weekend is no longer available um I think I actually got Illinois plus plus three uh I think it's closer yeah. to a point now yeah. and so that's the Friday game they play Indiana Indiana is probably not better than they were last year Illinois on the other hand is much better got a new offensive coordinator flip their pace of play to where they're at. You know, they had like over 80 plays last week against Wyoming. They're moving the ball up and down the field. They have a better quarterback than they've had in a very long time. And like 75th year quarterback, Tommy defeat DeVito. Uh, DeVito. I would favor (laughs) the other way. I would favor Illinois by at least three points. I think they have it wrong by like, had it wrong by like a touchdown. It's closer than it was now, but that was my best play of the week. I think uh, out of the remaining plays that are still available, um, I probably have to go, with uh, Utah minus two and a half. Uh,
1: that's probably really simple uh, for them. Oh, I like that. Just, C- yeah. Everyone I've heard is on Florida. Every It's like the trendiest upset yeah. pick of the week. Like, is oh, it's an SEC
2: team against like, a Pac 12 team. Oh, it's at home. Oh, Anthony Richardson's kind of good, right? And, and I mean, the upside with her, I have, I mean, I just put out a piece last week that had Anthony Richardson inside of like the top 50 best players of all college football because his upside is crazy. But He's never put it together at this point. And they right. have no really good trusted receiving weapons for Florida. They have defensive questions. They have offensive line questions. They, they, there's a lot more questions with Florida. Like they would yeah. have to be almost like the best version of the like what they'll be this year to, I think, even make it a game with Utah. Like when they switched to Cam rising last year with Utah, they uh, averaged 38 points per game last year. A Utah team. Like, even in their undefeated 2008, 2009 season, or whatever it was, when uh, Utah went 13 and 0, went to the Sugar Bowl, um, like, they didn't average 30, 38 points that season. Like, this is a yeah, crazy, this is a monstrous top 10, really good defense, really good offense team. And Florida is in transition everywhere. So, easy pick.
1: Yeah, I, I like it. I actually have. Um... Uh, a few bets on on Utah futures, both their win total as well as them to play in the Pac-12 championship game, which is just the top two Pac-12 schools. It doesn't matter if you're in the north or the south, so they just have to finish in the top two in the Pac-12. And that was at like plus 115. So uh, I like this Utah team a lot. I like that. I, I think my favorite bet uh, that's left on the board um, is I like Michigan minus 13 and a half um, at halftime. Uh, I, I I think that's a, a pretty easy one, <laughs> but nice. I'm sorry. Michigan state, uh, Michigan state minus 13 and a half. I've got Michigan in a, in a same game parlay that is going to smash two, And that's Michigan minus 20 and a half and over 54 total points. Anyway. Um, we're not here to talk college football betting, but I wanted to get your, uh, give, give, give our listeners because, uh, Travis won't tell you himself, but he's crushing, uh, the last couple years in, uh, in, uh, college betting. So I always like to pig his brain. Um, but yeah, This was a lot of fun. Number 100 in the books. uh, At least 100 more to go. Uh, Not this season, but just in total. uh, At least. And I'm excited for it, man. We've got NFL right around the corner. Um, We got to uh, watch a little bit of uh, madness today. The season is off to a fun start in college football world. So we have a lot to look forward to. We are really uh, getting into the thick of things here now and uh, couldn't be happier. I've got a good rhythm going now with um, when I'm doing my research, when I'm recording the podcast, when I'm writing, and so it feels good. I'm in mid-season form, which means I'm going to uh, flame out and be exhausted come week six. But that's okay because uh, we get to do uh, some of the most fun stuff in the world, just sit here talking about know, football. Sir, I'm not
2: laughing at you. I'm I'm not laughing. I'm laughing because Penn State covered.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. Well, when, when we you do, were talking, I forget what you were on. talking about. I was dancing. I was jumping up and down. Wait, 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 um, oh my gosh. This is a yeah, great they, way to end the they,
2: podcast. Boy, what, what are you talking yeah, about? Uh, what is going on right now? Anyway, so um, I'm just ecstatic. It was good times. I, I hit yep, it,
1: it was good times. Yes. Yeah, like I said, follow Travis anyway. for his best. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Hey, yeah, thank you all so much for listening. We'll talk to you all next week.